Today we are going to be recapping the first day of Chargers and Saints joint practice and it was the Chargers defense that dominated on day one. You are locked on Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we've been covering the Chargers together now for eight seasons, but this is our sixth year as a host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making this your first listen today, and to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe or follow for free on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and listen wherever you get your podcasts. David, what do you got today? Today, we talk about day one of the Chargers and Saints joint practices, and we start with the defense making Derek Carr's life a living (laughs) hell, causing all kinds of pressure, and it was great to see. And then Keenan Allen absolutely dominating, just being uncoverable all day. Didn't matter what you threw at him. He was going crazy. And then we get you ready for the second preseason game, and we give you all the things you need to know. So much to talk about, so little time, but hey, can Elijah Dotson do it again? But today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockdownNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockdownNFL. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So special thank you to the Athletics' Daniel Popper, who is out there covering the defensive side of things for the Chargers because the two teams split up into different fields for the team drills. And that's what we're going to focus on. And I know you hear us saying the Chargers defense dominated. And a lot of people saw a lot of one-on-one clips. We're going to get to those as well. But I'll also talk to you about why it's not great to put too much stock into those. But this is what Daniel Popper said about the Chargers defense at Thursday's practice. The Chargers controlled the line of scrimmage during 11-on-11 drills and were regularly in the backfield while pass rushing and defending the run. On the opening play of 11-on-11 drills, defensive lineman Sebastian Joseph Day sacked Saints quarterback Derek Carr off play action. That type of penetration and pressure persisted throughout the practice. And David, I don't know what else you could want to hear, not just the defense doing well, but seemingly the way that they did it, I think, is the most encouraging part. Absolutely. Like I said before, getting all kinds of pressure on Derek Carr, making his life very, very difficult, rushing his decisions and really making him have to get rid of the football very, very quickly. And and it was not just one person getting pressure. It was Morgan Fox. It was Kenneth Murray. It was Sebastian Joseph Day. It was Khalil Mack. You name it. There is a lot of different guys that you can speak to that really came to play and really caused a lot of havoc. Yeah, and I mean, according to the Sports Illustrated site for the Saints, they said that Derek Carr completed close to 70% of his passes, but it did seem like In the big moments and throughout practice, it was the Chargers defense setting them back and setting them behind the sticks for most of the day. These are all the plays that Daniel Popper charted, and this is just a handful. Go to The Athletic and subscribe if you haven't already. But this is what he said. I mean, he had Derwin James picking off Derek Carr after Khalil Mack ended up getting a good pressure on that play, and he sailed the throw. You had Morgan Fox with two sacks and a tackle for loss, according to Daniel Popper. And then you have Kenneth Murray with two sacks and multiple tackles for loss. At practice. And I mean, David, it's getting harder and harder to not buy in on the Kenneth Murray hype. Obviously, this is, you know, a team drill 11 on 11 with linemen out there. I think that as far as the penetration goes, as far as the pass rush goes, those are things that are very translatable. Obviously, where the running back is getting stopped, considering they're stopping them on contact, hard to totally evaluate the run defense. But 
Kenneth Murray, I mean, just out here against another team now, since we're not seeing the preseason out there making plays, I mean, it's hugely encouraging. It is. It's And like you said, it is very, very difficult now to stop or just start sitting here and say we can deny what Kenneth Murray has put together as far as his offseason program. And I think, you know, it's all stems from him being healthy. Like this is the very, very first time in his NFL career where he doesn't have to be rehabbing from a surgery. You know, yeah. it, it, there, there was a fantastic article that came out from The Athletic that talked about Kenneth Murray. Uh, but Daniel Popper, yeah, Daniel Popper of the Athletic had a great uh, article with him and new linebackers coach uh, Jeff Howard, and really just talked about how they were building and designing drills exactly for Kenneth Murray to kind of breed confidence and really kind of you know get get him out there and stop not stop thinking so much. You can go out there and really read, react, and make plays. And it seems like the game is really slowing down for Kenneth Murray, and he's making plays all over the football field. So yes, it's getting harder and harder to deny. But I need to see it in a real game before I'm going to be a true believer. I wake up every morning. I look myself in the mirror and I say, do not buy into the Kenneth Murray hype. Do not buy into the Kenneth. I mean, we've, we've done this song and dance before. To Too many to times. some extent. But at the same time, it's hard to ignore the fact that these are the most positive things he's had going in his direction in a long time. A fully yeah. healthy offseason, right? He says it's the first of his career. Getting next to Eric Kendricks and also just year three of the Brandon Staley scheme. Yeah. I get anyone who's hesitant. I mean, he hasn't just been an average linebacker so far, and therefore he's underwhelming as a first-round pick. Right. He's been far below average, and that's just the fact of the matter. So it's hard to totally buy into it, but it is nice to see the Chargers' defense get tested, David, because we we're not going to get to see this starting defense work together in any kind of preseason game. So no. to see them go out and have this first day I think is very, very encouraging. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to see the starters at all in the preseason, so this is where they're going to get the 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 best quality work yeah. of their off season. I mean, this is where they can really test it and really turn it on and really see what they're going to be able to do and really like learn in these moments. I, I think <laughs> you, they're going up against guys every single day up against their own guys. They know how they operate. They know how they move. They probably know how they think. They know exactly what those guys are going to do going up against a new opponent where you don't know them. You haven't seen them. You probably haven't watched any tape on them. You really just want to go out there and read and react and see how you do. For that, the Chargers defense went out there and they really, really put on a show. Yeah, according to Daniel Popper, they only had one touchdown in all of the team drills, which was like, I think, you know, five different 11 on 11 periods yeah. on, on Thursday. They only gave up one touchdown and it was a pre designed play that automatically started on the four yard line. Not like they moved from midfield to the four yard line, a red zone play from the four yard line, and Alvin Kamara ended up getting a four yard touchdown. So you'll take that. Derek Carr. Yeah. Zero passing touchdowns, one interception. You'd love to see it. I know he's not a Raider anymore. Maybe I should, you know, like him more that he's not a Raider now. And I like the Saints. That's the other thing, too. It's like I grew up, Saints were always kind of my second team just because Drew Brees, right? I always loved Drew Brees. That was nice. I love Ross Jackson, who we'll talk about, who gave all yes. the insight on the Chargers offense for this, and I'm eternally thankful. But it's just it's still Derek Carr to me, right? Like it's still. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't feel any better. I think you it, I you dislike him a little bit less because he's no longer totally. a Raider. It is, less. but he was a Raider for almost a decade. So you spent a large period of time 
hating that dude. And so, yeah, yeah, whenever you see, you know, Joey Bosa saying, oh, hey, you know, you go cry, right. you know, right. he folds right. under pressure. I mean, right. that stuff's funny. And then Derwin James has harassed Derek Carr on multiple occasions. This is just the latest of them. Derwin James has Derek Carr's number. I, I feel like if Derek Carr didn't have to play against Derwin James for the rest of his NFL career, I think he would be very, very happy. I think so, too. I mean, he ended basically the first game last year against the Raiders with that uh, interception covering Darren Waller. And I mean, yep. it's it's been a lot of that since Derwin James and Derek Carr has faced off. So let's get to the big the elephant in the room here, David, which is a lot of Chargers fans were out there seeing a lot of Chargers defensive backs get cooked in one on ones. And there was a lot of clips out there. I get yeah. it. I understand yeah. why you'd be alarmed. It's OK. <laughs> These one-on-one drills are so heavily weighted towards the offense, and we're going to talk about the Chargers offense too, and and all the things we're talking about are not going to have a lot to do with the one-on-ones. I mean, they're heavily weighted. If you're an elite receiver in one-on-one situations, you should be winning just about all your reps. With no pass rush, no offensive lineman, no safety or linebacker help, everything is weighted towards them. Yes, I would like to have seen a better effort, right, and more plays made by the Chargers corners. Absolutely. Am I freaking out about it? No, because as soon as the team drills happen, you saw no highlights from Chris Olave or Michael Thomas, which is, kind of tells you, hey, being having the whole team out there is kind of important. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like the, the, the game of football is not played one-on-one. So no. I'm not worried about one-on-ones. You're going to see receivers lose those all the time. That is not any indication on their performance or what yeah. they are capable of doing. That happens. It's a part of football. It's just going to make them better. That's yeah. not anything to hold your hat on or, or, or hang any like solid evaluations on. It's just not. Yeah, I, yeah I, I agree. But I saw a lot of people like, oh, God, you know, here we go. We felt really good about the Chargers corners. Now they're all getting cooked. Yeah. I also didn't see Michael Davis on the receiving end of anything really bad very no. much either. So, uh, you know, very selective kind of what gets out from these practices. But not concerned, right, because, I mean, the Chargers yeah. starting receivers cooked pretty much everyone in the defensive secondary for the, the Saints as well. Yeah, it was still a very up-and-down day for the Chargers offense. Justin Herbert was solid, but Keenan Allen showed that, hey, he can still be the focal point of the offense, and he absolutely dominated with at least 10 catches on day one of the Chargers and Saints joint practices, which is hard to fathom. So we're going to get into that coming up right after this. First, I do need to tell you guys about LinkedIn Jobs because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. They make it super easy to create a free job post. I should know. My wife talks about it all the time, even to the point where I'm like, okay, I get it. But she's like, you just don't get it, though. It's just so much better than other places I'm trying to do the same things as a recruiter because it's not just about bringing someone in. It's about bringing in the right fit. And I think we all know not all coworkers are the same, right? Some are much better fits than others. But what makes it so easy is they have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates that with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, so post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockdownNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockdownNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get into the offensive side of things, David. And before we get into where the Chargers offense struggled, because there were a couple areas that they definitely struggled, let's talk about the bright spot. And that was Keenan Allen, who was one of the guys we talked about on yesterday's show, you know, him versus Marshawn Lattimore. And I don't know how many were one-on-one with Marshawn Lattimore, how many times he beat him. 
But it is fair to say that he was the worst nightmare for the Saints off or Saints defense. I mean, it seemed like a lot of it was underneath, but it also did seem like Keenan Allen was pretty uncoverable in the first day of joint practices. Yeah, I mean, of all the notes that I was looking at, I did not see a single time where there was an incomplete next to Keenan Allen versus Marshawn Lattimore. So, well, and let's also, what I should have said, though, is we got all of our notes for the Chargers offense from Ross Jackson, who writes for Sports Illustrated. He did such a good job, and you can find his notes from the day because Daniel Pomper is on the offense or the defensive side today. He didn't yeah. have anything on the offense. If you want to figure out what happened, play by play. Series by series, go follow Ross Jackson, NOLA, N-O-L-A on Twitter because he has all the notes and I'm sure he's going to have some more tomorrow on the opposite side of things. So I definitely want to shout out Ross, one of the best hosts, host of Locked on Saints and also writes for Sports Illustrated. Yeah, no, he he was fantastic. He gave such a thorough like recap of everything that happened. All thank of the God, plays. we weren't there. Yeah, no, yeah, we were not there. But I mean, we saw. Uh, I saw a ton of videos, and Keenan Allen was all over the football field. I mean, it didn't matter if it was an underneath crossing route or if it was a a deep route over the middle of the field. You know, extending with a, a beautiful one armed. Yeah, you got to go check that one's actually on That's the Chargers Twitter account. I mean, it was. As good of a catch as you're going to see at training camp. For sure. Yeah, and then he threw the the football into the stands and, get, and gave that it was to awesome. a, a, From a his fan. Back. Yeah, which which is awesome. But yeah, just Keenan Allen, uh, just all over the field. It just didn't matter who was in front of him. He was beating that man. And that's what I think for me just makes me feel like Keenan Allen is going to have a breakout year. I, I just like everything that I've seen. I feel like he's had one of the strongest camps of his, his offseason. And I feel like going into year 11, it could be one of the best years of his career. It definitely feels like that. I mean, I asked him when I was there, right? Feels like he has a chip on his shoulder for sure. If not, yeah. but anything else to help fix his mountain rating. So, like, you know, <laughs> if, if, he, I'm sure he draws inspiration from a lot of things. But, I mean, yeah, does have the diving one-handed catch. Seemed like he was the best Chargers offensive player. And it seemed like one of the reasons he kept getting the ball is because Kellen Moore kept finding a way to get Keenan Allen one-on-one matchup with Saints linebacker Pete Warner a lot of the times. But yeah. Kept finding that, and the Chargers kind of kept exploiting the rematch. But it does seem like, hey, if you need him to be the focal point of your offense, he can do that. And the other thing that kind of rings true to me is just what Brandon Staley said in one of his earlier press conferences in training camp, where he said, hey, Keenan Allen's a great receiver. You don't always have to wait till third down to get him involved. He was in the two-minute period. He caught the first four passes when everyone you know knows they're going to pass in a two-minute period. Yeah, you think he can get open on third down. He can get open on first and second down, too. Yeah, and, and, and Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints really liked the day that the, the Saints offense or Saints defense had against the Chargers offense. But it seemed like for Justin Herbert, it was a very solid day, maybe just not a super explosive day. This is what Ross had to say. Get ready to read the word underneath a ton as it was the focus of the work for the Chargers offense. So a lot of underneath passes, a lot of exploiting those kind of one-on-one matchups. But overall, Ross had him going 21 of 28, which is completing 75% of his passes. With one touchdown, no interceptions. So, David, doesn't seem like there was a lot of big explosives. It seems like they tried a couple of them that fell incomplete, but still operating at a very high level. I mean, hard to say he wasn't. 
Yeah, I mean, 75%, I'll take that every single day of the week. I mean, that's extremely efficient. Uh, I think we definitely want to see the explosive downfield plays. I mean, that's part of the reason why everyone is excited about Kellen Moore coming in as offensive coordinator. But, you know, that wasn't on the docket today. And, I mean, you got to credit to the Saints for taking taking that away. But you do want to see that. You definitely want to see that tomorrow when the Saints and the Chargers, you know, lock up again for, you know, the joint practice day number two. You want to see the, the Chargers push the ball down the field, take some shots like, you know, go out there and create some explosives. I, I like the, the completions underneath. I like the efficiency. But, hey, man, it's exciting when you get to throw the, uh, throw the ball down the field uh, and let a guy who can throw it 65 yards down the field go, uh, you know, give his receivers an opportunity to make a play. Yeah, it did seem like, you know, the Chargers rushing offense didn't have a great day. Obviously, just like it wasn't buying in totally on the Chargers front. It's nice that they're on the right spot. Getting penetration, getting pass rush is great. But yeah. where the running back is actually touched down is far less important, obviously, when you're being marked down on contact. Yeah, it seemed like Justin touch. Herbert was solid. And if there was yeah. one place that this offense noticeably struggled on first the first day of joint practices, it was in the red zone, right? That was the biggest thing. So one of the reasons that Justin Herbert went 21 of 28 is because he had five incompletions in the red zone period. He didn't complete a single pass. So no. I know... Without context, that seems really bad, right? And, I mean, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. It's, but obviously also shows you, like, how good Justin Herbert was in every other period where he was completed 75% of his passes, including 0 for 5 in the red zone, right? So, yeah. Two of the passes were batted down, which I think is a little concerning. And we've also seen the Chargers offense struggle a little bit in the red zone as it is when they're going up against their own defense. And yeah. one of the passes that he threw was thrown away due to pressure. So yeah. this is one place where the Saints definitively won the period. 0 for 5 in the red zone, obviously not great. No, not great. And then a problem that uh, really plagued the Chargers all of last year, the Chargers were yeah. 18th in red zone touchdown scoring percentage. And, you know, that that was only scoring a touchdown on 54.55% of their red zone trips. And yeah. that's just unacceptable. It's not good enough. And you definitely don't like to see that um, in joint practices and that them not having success with the litany of weapons that they have at their disposal. And you guys, yeah. you have guys like Donald Parham and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, guys that, you know, really know how to get open and know how to get into the end zone you want to see some better efficiencies in, than that so that is definitely a little bit concerning yeah the other place where the saints technically got the win was in the two-minute drill which is funny because it's like okay you think oh well justin herbert didn't do anything or he didn't play well well justin herbert was six and just six for six in yeah. the two-minute drill uh got the only team six down to where they yeah exactly so i mean he moved right down the field it was third and six when they started running out of time all they needed was a field goal and then Dustin Hopkins came out and missed a 47-yard field goal. So it's like, hey, did the two-minute offense lose? Technically, yes. Did they move the ball incredibly well? Technically, yes. I mean, it was same. you know, the Saints and Derek Carr had to settle for a 52-yard field goal that they also missed, which is why the Chargers defense won that. But if that wasn't bad enough that Dustin Hopkins missed it once, I think what's really damning for him, right, especially since he finally is back on the field, and it's great to see him have a legitimate shot at this thing, yeah, right, because he, he did play so well. He missed the first one wide, the second one because the Saints tried to ice him, right, so he got another chance on it. And then Ross Jackson said the wind picked up, and Dustin Hopkins left it short. So two opportunities in a game-winning type of situation, right, and he can't come up with both of them. Right. I think that's kind of an underrated part of the offensive story 
on Thursday's practice for sure. Yeah, especially for Dustin Hopkins, just because, I mean, you know, with that, then you have the, the context of Dicker the kicker going six for six and hitting a, a couple of his field goals from 50 plus. Yeah. And so that is, you know, very damning for Dustin Hopkins, you know, coming into the situation late in the game, already behind the eight ball. And then having this type of performance, it's not doing anything positive for him. So, so it's going to be interesting to see how this kicker battle uh, turns out. Absolutely. But it was good to see the Chargers offense, Kellen Moore, get to go up against a good defense. What is a yep. very good defense, right? But I'm not going to worry too much about Justin Herbert because this is what his 11-on-11s look like. First one, four out of five. Second period, five out of five. The fifth or the third one, six out of seven. And then he had the 0-5 in the red zone with two batted passes and one throwaway. And the two-minute drill, he was six for six. So not going to worry too much about the offense, but it felt like, yeah, maybe there was some more there to be had. We'll see if you know how it looks on day two of joint practices. But I do want to talk about the preseason because these two teams are going to square up in a game at SoFi Stadium. So I'm excited to see that. And it's going to be a little bit different as far as what we're looking for this week. But I think one of the things at the top of our list, David, is just can Elijah Dotson do it again? We saw how spectacular the undrafted rookie was in week one of the preseason. Can he repeat it, David? Because one game isn't enough. We're going to talk about that coming up right after this. Thank you guys, as always, for checking out the show today. I can't wait to preview this second preseason game because it felt like we got so much out of the first one. But that's just on today's show. We will likely be back on Sunday with you guys for a live show after the Chargers game. It's probably going to be late. But, hey, this is what we love to do, and we can't wait to preview, you know, recap this. But today we're going to preview it as well. So thank you to the Everydayers for checking out today's show. And I want to start with the unsung hero, maybe not unsung hero, but the unlikely hero for the Chargers in preseason week one, Dave, and that's Elijah Dotson, who figures to get a lot of run in week two of the preseason. But I think that's, you know, one of the things I'm absolutely most excited about. It's like, hey, man, if he can do this again, you know, I'm not expecting 15 yards of carry. Yeah. But if he looks as good as he did last week, I mean, hey, we're going to have to start taking this a lot more seriously. Yeah, because, I mean, he looked very explosive, looked very fast, looked like he had great vision, and, you know, he was, he was really separating from defenders. I mean, six carries, 92 yards, two touchdowns, both 35-plus yards on yeah. each of them, and that's a heck of a performance. I think what I'm looking forward to is him stepping up the competition that he's going up against. He's more than likely going to be going up into the game a little bit sooner than the you know, late third and we'll into see. the fourth quarter. We'll see. Yeah just because Larry Roundtree's not there anymore, so he's stepping up in the pecking order. So I'm hoping to see him against a little bit better competition and see if that production is still there. Yeah, and I think no matter what, we'll see it maybe a larger sample size. I mean, maybe we'll see Tyler Hoosman this week after not seeing him at all. Uh, the Chargers also, I think... Yeah, I don't think so, man. He's the way. still in the rehab, the rehab field. Yeah, so. so I mean, unlikely, right? Yeah. I mean, they did end up signing, though. Running back Aaron, or I think it's Aaron Hamplin, Shamplin, Shamplin. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a heck of a name there. Oh man, that's going to be tough. Aaron Shamplin, who I think just actually got hurt for the Cowboys and, and sprained his ankle before he was released. So I haven't heard anything about him in practice yet. Uh, we'll see if he ends up playing. The one leg up that that guy has is he spent last year with the Cowboys. He was in there within the preseason and then ended up in like the USFL was on practice squads a little bit, but came back to the Cowboys this year, was playing pretty well. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is, hey, familiarity with Kellen Moore's offense. I don't know if it's going to matter much if Elijah Dotson looks the way he did in preseason week one. So I wouldn't read too much into it, but hey, that's another option. A guy that knows the offense, no Larry Roundtree in the mix. It makes sense. So yeah, 
I think he's going to get more carries no matter what, right? I don't know when we'll see him or how early we will. It depends on what we see from Josh Kelly and Isaiah Spiller and how long they want to keep those guys in. Because of course. that's the other thing I think the big part of this, obviously, can't wait to see Elijah Dotson, but really meaningful snaps are up in the air for this offense at the running back two position. And Josh Kelly and Isaiah Spiller both looked great last week, David. So I think this week is like, can we see a little separation? Because we thought we'd see it in the first week and we just didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say there's any separation when both running backs are averaging over five yards per carry. I mean, And one just... of them had a 70-yard touchdown call back in Isaiah Spiller, right? Which yeah. obviously would have way shifted the numbers there. It, it de- yeah, it definitely would have. I mean, but I feel like both of these guys really, you know, put their best foot forward in the first game. They, they made the most of their touches. And I want to see if there's going to be any separation in game number two because both of these guys figure to be a part of the Chargers' offensive plan, but I don't know how much they are going to be figured in and then who's going to be able to get the lion's share of those carries we know austin eckler is going to be a part of it at the top after that i think those carries those primary carries are up for grabs so i want to see if josh kelly or if isaiah spiller can go out there and ball out maybe get in the end zone a couple of times i'd like to see that as well well one thing we've talked about is under kellen moore the cowboys offense gave zeke and tony pollard both about around 200 carries last year right so like pretty equal split between the two of them But the next closest running back, I think, had 38 attempts, right? So I do think this is one, though, where we could see it bleed into the regular season, right? And and what they do with the the touches early on in the regular season. And they may always play the hot hand, too. I mean, that's definitely uh, something that we could see. It could be different. It's a totally different personnel, right? You had Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott were, you know, head and shoulders above where the other guys were. So, like, now with two guys a lot closer – Maybe we see a more equal split, but this could be a chance, especially with Joshua Kelly fumbling today at practice, according to Ross Jackson. Yeah. Maybe we start to see some movement in this battle. But one we didn't get to see last week, David, that we're very excited to see this week is John Hightower, right? Camp Darling. It's crazy. Only a couple weeks ago, it felt like this dude was, you know, getting close to a roster lock. And then you get injured. And that's how quick it can happen, David. Like, it, it can be that quick where... He misses the first preseason game, and now everything's kind of up in the air. So I'm very, very excited to see what John Hightower can do this week. We see it every single year. We see every single year. Guys get started really, really hot, then make a really good impression, then they get hurt, and then they can't can't improve their stock. Stone Smart was that guy last year, too. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It just seems like every single year, you know, somebody is going to be that guy. So hopefully for John Hightower, he can get out there. And I really feel like it's important for him to go out there and perform in the preseason and really do well. And, and yeah. you know, what he did a lot in training camp was get those deep explosive plays. That's his role in this offense if you were to make this team. So that's what I need to see out of him in this second preseason game. Yeah, especially with Jalen Guyton still not back, right? We didn't talk about it earlier, but we did see Austin Johnson did get cleared off the PUP list, which is awesome. I mean, now him and Sebastian Joseph Day back in the mix. Those are your two starting guys, and then obviously you have Morgan Fox, so you feel really good. But wide receiver six is big. I mean, we think the Chargers are going to keep six. Jalen Guyton's not back. I think the biggest thing now is how much has someone like Keelan Doss, who's the kind of the next guy up there, closed the gap? Yeah. While he's been out, right? And, and good question. He's been not only good. is he back at practice, is he healthy enough to look the way we saw John Hightower where he was torturing everybody at practice, right? right? That's yes. the version that we want to see because that's the version that we thought was going to make the team. But yeah, let's talk about the defensive side a little bit before we get out of here, David. And I think defensively, I think it's the continued development of JT Woods. Uh, I mean, yeah. that is one where, yeah, we saw him get in on a couple tackles. I thought he looked really good yeah. in week one of the preseason. But now, considering Alohi Gilman's situation – you know, not being on the field right now, 
it's even that much more important. And I think also just like if we'll see him, I think, you know, do you think we'll see him? You think he'll play for sure in this game? Yeah, so I do think we will see him, and I think it's because of the update that Brandon Staley provided on Alohi Gilman's injury, which it is a knee contusion, which, I mean, contusion is just a fancy word for a bruise. Um, they asked him if he was concerned about it. He said he is not concerned at all. So yeah. obviously, uh, we'll take that, take that as a grain of salt, but it is very, very good news for Alohi Gilman. But it still doesn't change the fact that this is a very important game for JT Woods and his development and his growth. I think the one of the things that gives you some positive momentum for JT is in joint practices today, he really showed out. I mean, there was a number of different plays, uh, you know, outlined by uh, Daniel Popper at the athletic. She like, for example, JT Woods made a break on a route uh, on Alvin Kamara, stopped him after a two yard gain. Also had a really big hit on Jamal Williams, the, the running back. Uh, also sniffed out a screenplay against uh, Michael Thomas and had big hits on both of those plays, according to his notes. Yeah. So those are all really positive developments because what was the biggest issue with JT Woods? It was the tackling. So to see him, obviously, yes, two hand touches. We know all of that, but he's in the right spot. He's making the right decisions. And, you know, that's what you want to see for JT Woods. So hopefully that carries on into the preseason for him as well. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, every run defense snap is, is with a grain of salt, but you can definitely tell the one thing that has improved kind of unequivocally is the physicality. How he's yes. hitting people, you know, the pop in which he's delivering these hits. I mean, Jamal Williams is a dude who scored close to 20 touchdowns last year in the Lions yep. offense. So, like, having JT Woods stand that dude up at the goal line is not something we wow. could have predicted at the beginning of camp. So, can't wait to see JT Woods. Hopefully we see him a little bit more in run defense situations. The yep. only thing that would hold him out would not be, you know, because his play predicated it and they're so sold on how good he is now. It would just be because, hey, right now he's a starting safety, right? Yeah. Until Alohi Gilman comes back, that's what his role is. And also, you don't really know what's after that. I mean, I, this is another game. Hey, you know, Raheem Lane, Mark Webb, can one of you guys stand out? But according to reports, Mark, uh, Mark Webb had to leave practice with a groin injury. So yeah. cautionary, according to Brandon Staley. Still, unfortunately, that's been kind of the story of his short career so far. So, Super excited to watch this game. We got so much out of the first preseason game. We'll be back with you guys on Sunday night to recap it and doing a live show. Can't wait to be here for that. But until then, guys, to make sure you don't miss it, go subscribe or follow for free on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and listen to the show wherever you get your podcast from. You can also find the show every day on all of our social media. You can follow me on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogmeyer at DroTalkSD, as well as the show's page at Locked On LAC. Thank you again to Daniel Popper of The Athletic, Ross Jackson, you're a real one out there on the beat being there when we can't. Great stuff over there. But that is going to do it for us today. We're back with you guys for preseason game two recap live show on Sunday night. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.